Random Thoughts can now be found on iTunes. So please head on over there, give us a good review, and we will be eternally grateful. Hey, husband. Yes, wife. What did the pirate say on his 80th birthday? Wife. I matey. Wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random Thoughts. I'm Wife. And I'm Husband. And we are here on episode 12 to bring you all the latest debates surrounding the WoW TCG. <laughs> the debates? Well, I it counts as a debate. It's really us debating and, like, occasionally Facebook debating, but it happens. We're not... We haven't debated with anybody on Facebook, have we? No, it's more I read the Facebook and then debate with you. <laughs> okay. Well, wife is absolutely right. We do have a debate for you a little bit later on in the show, although we're going to kick it off with something we had brought up a few episodes ago, I think way, maybe way before Gen Con. I don't remember. I think it might have been one episode before Gen Con or our leaving for a Gen Con episode. Possibly. In any case, the goal here is, since we obviously have a lot of time between now and the next WoW event, yeah. unless something comes up out of the blue... Uh, we did want to run through a bunch of ideas or talk about some ideas over each podcast and maybe throw some stuff out there, just kind of see what sticks with the community, with us, how things go. To that end, we're going to basically pick a card or, or a few cards and just talk about high-level ideas of how would these work, why should anybody care, what's interesting about them, those sort of things. We are going to start this new segment with a character that actually got some discussion with Logan at Gen Con, except he was going for creating a new hero, is what and I remember. And it is a character that deserves a hero. He's been around for, well, since Warcraft 3. I will take your word for it, because I have never actually seen Warcraft he, 3. It's a game. It's not a movie. No, I know. But I mean, I watch, <laughs> like, I've seen you play, watch Twitch people play it. And I smile, and I nod, and I go do other things. Anyway, Rexar the Wanderer helped found Orgrimmar, which I hope you know what that is, I wife. do know what Orgrimmar is. Really? I've rolled Horde for every character. I know mm. what Orgrimmar is. That's not true. You started with Alliance. No. Yes, I... you started a Night Elf. Was your uh, very first character? No, no, yes, no. It was. it was a blood elf with my first character. I did, however, start a gnome because I'm short and I like other short people. Right. Yep. Anyway, anyway, so Rexar the Wanderer is our card for today, and he is a neutral ally that was actually relatively new. So he comes to us as a 4-4 four, four for 4, that when he comes out, you get to tutor for a beast. So in this case, tutor being, if you're not familiar with it, it's a term that comes from magic. The original card was demonic tutor. So... What that card did, for two mana, you were able to search your deck for any card and put it into your hand. Rexar only limits you to, or rather limits you to beast allies, but they go directly into your hand, and then while he's in play, beast allies you control at plus one, plus one. So Reign of Fire, aside from the cow package, actually an Anubarak, and Reign of Fire actually was kind of a treasure trove at the end of the game. There were a lot of cool things that never really saw the light of day. 
Or at least not for very long. Yeah, they kind of existed as a flash in the pan and then disappeared. Well, because the game kind of (laughs) became a flash in the pan at that point. I feel like that set came out, people bought it, and then the next day they were like, oh, by the way. Well, part of the problem now is that Reign of Fire specifically, because the way the set was, makes it super difficult to find. You would think that there would be, you could get the singles more easily because just like the early sets, whenever when the whole concept of loot cards was new, Reign of Fire dumped 100% of the loot cards that were possible to get, were dumped them back into the set and you could get open them from packs. So naturally it caused all those people who never got a spectral tiger back in the day to open up a ton of packs. So you'd think that would depress the cost of the singles. But you still have things like Frostmourne going for like 30 bucks. Yeah, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, who bought that set were um, the online players who then either sat on the cards forever or tossed them. Well, you would think that would make the price go down, but I guess they recognize, hey, I know what Doomhammer is. I know what Frostmourne is. is. true. I know what the, you know whatever character it is is, and then therefore assume that it's valuable. I don't know. I still see them pop up on eBay, Frostmourns, but in any case, that's a totally different discussion. So, Rexar, this is another, sorry for another tangent, but one of the things that's weird to me is Rexar, this is actually his second iteration. There was a Horde version that created a Misha token back from, like, Dark Portal. Yeah, or I something remember early that, on. just because I love Misha. But what's interesting, the old Rexar was labeled as a Machnafal, which he is, which is half-orc, half-ogre. The new one is actually an orc-ogre hunter, so all of those things that care about whether you have orcs, all of those things that care about whether you have ogres, now will trigger or activate. And so you can... Well, is there an ogre um, location? Location, no, but there are cards that care about whether you have ogres, like uh, it's High Warlord something or other, it's a 10-10 for 6 that you mm-hmm. can't play if you have a certain number of ogres out. Uh, I think there's one that's basically Empower Ogre. Okay. Because there's uh, Krogdar the Colossal or something like that. I don't know. It's something like... Stereotypical ogre name. Yeah, it was a giant dude that when he came out, he got to fight another guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was another guy that had an Empower effect, and they all had Conspicuous, naturally. Well, Because they were a little obvious. (laughs) Sneaky ogres are not... That's not a sentence. You're well, there was that moment. there was that ogre ninja. I forgot about the ogre ninja, which is Dagum Tigor. That one I remember because of the picture of him is him standing there in a gi and he's holding twigs in either hand, like I'm a tree, I'm a tree, I'm a tree, I'm a tree. So husband loves ogres. They're hilarious. Um, when we first started to play the game together, he would transform himself to an ogre, and what I heard thousands of times was, "Follow the bouncing ogre." Oh, you mean in the online, in the online game. game? I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? It would transform your Yeah, so one of the old items from the UDE stuff was, uh, I forget, it was like an amulet or a neck piece, maybe a trinket, mm-hmm. but it allowed you, and it was a permanent item, so it, it, you could either craft cards or you could get points, and then there was a point store where you could buy in-game items, and it was like 100 points per pack or something like that, and you could get this item that would temporarily turn you into an ogre. 
So as I was, like wife said, follow the bouncing ogre as I would lead her through new zones or I would take or try and run her through dungeons. I would turn into an ogre so that she knew exactly who I was in the mass of other people. Yeah. And it always worked. So, yeah. So I'm a big fan of Rexar because of orcs and ogres are two of the best things in the WoW universe. True. Not necessarily the top two, but they're up there. Yeah. So, um... One of the fun things about this deck is you get all the best beasts well, out. It's not that you get them. You could run them in other I things, mean, but yeah, you get you the can, advantages. But you get the advantage of, of having them in here, plus it's fun to say you're having a beast deck. Well, that's true. The problem with it is, is let's be real, there's, there's 27 cards officially going by WoW TCG Browser that have the beast tag on their type line. Now, their filter unfortunately misses one to my knowledge maybe it's missing more but i doubt it the one they're missing is phase hound which goes back to fields of honor blood of gladiators it's a four four or excuse me a five five four with stealth and it's the warlock hunter uh d dual Duel. class card so it's a pet it's a beast demon or something beast demon yeah i mean it's not really all that exciting because it's a Five five for four. Mm -hmm. Back then, yeah, that sounded great. But now, a five five for four that doesn't impact the board right away is like, eh, who cares? And it takes up your pet slot, so who cares? Kind yeah. of. That being said, there are some cool pets, such as. Can well, I? Can I say my favorite? Well, let's let's preface oh, it before you get to your favorite. So, <gasps> wife's favorite is what informs, or this informs wife's favorite because you really want to be playing hunter, which kind of makes sense. Rex are and Hearthstone. He's, a, he's the hunter hero. Mm -hmm. So you really want to be going into hunter for a number of reasons. The primary one being... Well, I was going to say my favorite is the child of a Gamagon because he's a piggy. And, <laughs> like, loosely. And you can be a big pig, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's time out. So that's another card we got to do is later on do Makuna Hatata at yes. some point because <laughs> I'll figure out a way to make the deck work. But anyway... Um, so I love the Chadavagamagon because of, well, his subtext is fantastic. Um, it's, you can be a big I know, too. <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's why I fantastic. said it. But he has Smash, he's a two cost. I don't even remember when I played this card, but I do remember playing it uh, more than a few times. But, so he's a, um, two health, four damage, but with the boost, he gets three health and five damage, which helps kind of avoid a lot of the smaller allies. And he has smash, which is also super fun, because you can smash right through those little guys and go ham. Well, it's also important that he comes down ahead of the time, or ahead of Rexar, rather. So you could build a board beforehand, drop Rexar, get your crusade effect, which is another magic reference, mm -hmm. and then go face, or because of the smash on Child of Agamagon, crush through their guys and hit them anyway. Yeah. Now, that wasn't the card I was talking about. I thought she was going to say Furious George. Well, Furious George is fantastic as well, but it's a piggy, and his flavor text is you can be a big pig too. That's fair. So <laughs> the one drawback of Child of Agamagon is this does require a monster hero, whereas Furious George does not, but Furious George is a pet. In any case, those are two things you definitely want to be looking at. As we said, there really aren't a whole lot of pets. They're all that exciting. I mean, you could get Spawn of Hayekiss, 
who's a 3-3 three, three for 3 with spell shield, but it gets plus 1, plus 1 for each other beast. Mm-hmm. So ideally, that thing's going to be gigantic. Yeah. But odds are they can... I mean, Furious George protects himself. Child of a Gamagon is probably going to die. Yeah. So it's That's not... you mean all the Child of a Gamagon. <laughs> yes, all of them. So there are some other things you naturally can play... The demigods, such as Ursul the Wise, Agamagon himself, mm-hmm. Galdrin, who's another card that we love simply because you can howl or growl to activate the effect. Yeah, um, like we've said numerous times before, if the card makes you do something silly, it's one of our favorites. So, moving beyond just naming all of the allies, because as we said, there's 27 of them, 27 of them, 28 with Phase Hound. There's no need to go through them all. Yeah. It, just search for Beast. You'll see them. Most of the ones that are playable stand out. So the question becomes, well, how else would you build this deck? The way we did is with Gurgle Murgle. Because most of the beasts are, well, they're monsters. Yeah. Furious George is not, but he doesn't care. He doesn't actually attack. He just activates to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Loke, which is Loke. pretty cool. Loke is absurd. Is not but it's also an 88 elusive stealth untargetable that deals unpreventable damage. Yeah. So it does. I mean, it would be nice if it had ferocity. I don't, yeah. But he doesn't really need it. I don't know if it's necessary. He's. I mean, aside from, I've always thought he has some of the most baller cart work, cart, uh, artwork in the game. Um, he's just insane. Like you put Loke down and he's not going anywhere anytime soon, at least. Right. And hopefully he closes the game out. Now, by the same token on the same turn, you can instead play Gazrila, but Loke does have the advantage of being Hezriana proof, which is pretty important if you're going to spend a whole turn doing something. Yeah. Now, if you already flipped Gurgle Murgle, Gazrila doesn't care because once he gets in for eight, that should be closing the game out. But Mm -hmm. in any case... So there, you do run the risk of there's not a lot of great beasts, but the fact that Rex are tutors for any of them, you can run a lot of one-ofs. So maybe you run one Gazrila and one Loke and one Agamagon so that that way you can go find them. Yeah. Unfortunately, the actual WoW TCG doesn't have quite the fleshed-out tribal themes that, say, Hearthstone does. So Hearthstone, there are a few classes that share beasts, so Hunter and Druid notably. So you could build a Druid beast deck. You could build a Hunter beast deck. For our game, the better game, (laughs) you unfortunately really have to lean into Hunter. So what I'd like to say is put it out there. So here's your homework, everybody. (laughs) If (laughs) If you want to take a challenge... What is your best Rexar deck? And throw it up in the Facebook group. Or yeah. send it to us, and we'll, we'd be more than happy to discuss it on the podcast. And send it to us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. So that's kind of our quick build around. Like I said before, we don't really want to go in and go line by line, card by card. And it's really just, here's an idea, see if people like it. It Because of how explosive Gurgle Murgle can be, the deck feels like it could be there. But it's just a few cards short, which when we talk about monk cards or new sets, as we get to that thing, hey, maybe that's where some of these things start to show up. Because there were those those other demigods, weren't there? Like the crane yes. and the tiger and stuff in Pandaria. Yes, they were demigods. And I don't know if they count as beasts, but I wouldn't maybe? think they do, but there were those like weird insect 
things that probably count as beasts. So uh, one last thing I'm going to throw in for the build around before we do move on to our, our epic debate is... I've been studying, guys. Prized Beastmaster's Mantle. I actually used it in a number of Scourge decks. If you remember the heirloom cards from Worldbreaker, most of them, well, maybe not most, a number of them, would just put an heirloom counter on other heirlooms. And then, depending on what one you put it on, some of them would have extra attack, or they would enable abilities, or they would do this or that. Prize Beastmaster's Mantle, when it's actually in play, gives your neutral guys plus three health. Seems pretty good if you're running monsters and neutral allies. But you can stash it to heal three from something that's neutral. Hmm. So it's a good combat trick where you don't have to be spending resources. So since there isn't a Magni or a Cairn for monsters, you could be running this and then you know run in one of your guys into their guy, heal it up, and that way you can it'll live to tell, fight another day. Only problem is, as we said, most of the beats aren't really great. Most of them don't have a very big butt. Yeah. Um, that, I think, is the beast's biggest downfall, is they need a bigger butt. Well, that and there's just not that many of them. So you, you just don't have very many options. You have to flesh it out with other stuff. Yeah. But in any case, we're going to move into our next segment. Our epic debate on Broderick Yay or Broderick Nay. So, welcome to our epic debate. Round one. Ding, ding. All right. So, um, there was some discussion, um, and there's been lots of, actually, discussion about banning cards. And there was some discussion about how there seems to be a fair amount of Horde decks and not so many Alliance decks. I still personally claim that it's because the Horde is awesome and Alliance sucks. But, um, Well, that's part of the problem, is that people are claiming that Horde is awesome and Alliance sucks, well, which no. leads into our debate. Okay, <laughs> I'm not saying like that. I'm just saying the Horde is obviously much more awesome and cooler and suave than Alliance. But well, anyway. I would agree with you, but there is an argument to be made, which we're about to have, about is there actually a problem? And the, the most recent iteration of the debate on Facebook group is not the first on that group, let alone in the game. It's been going yeah. on since Broderick hit the game, period. Yes, so our debate is whether or not Broderick should be a legal card. Now, this is not intended to be, obviously, it's only our thoughts and our yeah. random thoughts. But um, so it's not intended to be the be-all, end-all. We're going to miss arguments. We probably are going to have some inane arguments or, or support for our causes. And um, like husband has said, if I'm the one arguing it, sometimes I miss certain facts. But I've studied. I have <laughs> she studied. Put, she put in her homework. So let's see if we can poke holes in it. And <laughs> sure you will. And <laughs> there's going to be a long pause, and then we're going to cut that section out. Yeah. So... The idea here is we're going to try and go a little bit back and forth, go over a couple of ideas, and see, can we come to a conclusion, let alone anybody else? In the end, I think, bef- we'll, we'll wait to the end and, yeah. and go, we'll the go over end, the whole thing. The no, right. like, I was going to preface it, but we'll just get into it. All right. So, um, what we really started out looking at was one-cost guys. Um, right. And... Essentially, 
Horde has some pretty awesome one-cost guys. Um, we said it last time. The most awesome being yeah. Broderick. Um, because, you know, he deals two, and when he dies, you get to do one forever. Now, I openly admit, I abuse Broderick's powers like no other, especially... No, you, you forget to use Broderick's well, no, powers most of the time. I've been getting better about <laughs> not forgetting to abuse Broderick's powers, but um, between, you know, your Warlocks where it's nice to ping people down to death, your really any deck where it's nice to ping people down to death, or... When you have uh, Vorix and you flip and you get to do extra damage from that Broderick, that's pretty sweet too. I understand those arguments that make him seem overpowered, but here are my reasons, or at least my first reason, why I you know, let's go think one at Broderick time. should stay. I don't want to run down the list and then I, I'm not even going to remember what your first one is. Alright, so my first um, reason is because I think there are enough cards to help him be removed from the game, things like a new brack or things that blow up your um, blow up your opponent's graveyard. Um, well, and all yeah, okay. So that's my first argument. There's enough things that can remove him from the graveyard that I don't think he has to go away completely. Can you name two of them other than a new brack? I know there's an ability that does it. There's a lot of abilities. There's also a I lot know. of quests, and there are some allies. Yes, there are ways to remove him. However, as people who play this game and played other card games know, answers are always going to be weaker, to some extent, than the threats presented. If I have Broderick, you have to find a very specific answer in a very short period of time before he's already gotten probably more than a one-cost should. So not only did I eat your one drop, I ate your two drop with my face, and then <laughs> possibly continuing, or if, say, we're playing Bogmara, Bogmara is just punching you over and over and over again and getting free hits. All right. So that was the first hole being poked in my argument, but... <laughs> I still maintain that there are ways to deal with it, and I feel like there needs to be more overwhelming evidence taking him away. So what's your second argument, wife? So my second argument is that there are at least a few one-cost alliance allies that can either live through Broderick, or um, they can eat Broderick and their friends can come around and survive your hero's uh, one-cost pinging. All right, wife, what examples do you have of All this? Right. So our first example is Antichron. And now that's an oldie but a goodie. So Antichron is a Draenei. Draenei? Um, and... He's a protector. You can put two damage on your hero to prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to Antichron this combat if he's defending. So you go second. Um, your opponent has a, a uh, Broderick out. And instead of being able to immediately swing into your guy and kill him and start to control the board, you have the ability to turn that on its head so your hero has to be the defender and then you can deal with Broderick other ways. I assume by defender you mean that your hero's eating the damage instead of your allies. Yes. Okay. 
So just to clarify for everybody, because I was confused a moment. So yes, Antichron is a solid defensive ally, one that actually hasn't seen the light of day also for a very long time. There are a number of reasons. What else you got? So we have one possible decent turn one ally. All right. We also have Corin Stalnorth. Seedle so, one four. Yeah, he's you um, can build him up later on. What do you mean build him up later on, wife? I mean you can put some pants on him. Um, he has. <laughs> yeah, that was a phrase that I learned just a little bit ago. Um, so he has four health. So he's going to survive, and you can find ways to build him up, giving allies plus one attack. Well, what, giving... just to clarify, since as wife said, she's not all that familiar with the term, I'm assuming other people out there aren't. Pants is also a phrase from magic that in that game it's for enchant creatures. Here it's ongoing attachments. So you're equipping them with pants. They're putting pants on, however you want to phrase it, all but the when pants. they get some kind of buff to make them big. Since Corrin's a 1-4, he's going to survive Broderick running into him and the hero face-checking him, so you could theoretically, the next turn, drop something on him. Yes. Um, and then this one I know is not my strongest, but Stormwind Summoner was another one-cost. That another one-cost, a human warlock. And... When she's destroyed, you put a 1-1 human warrior ally token onto play with Protector, which at least eats up a little bit of the damage coming back. Well, I think you know my obvious response is that those aren't very exciting. <laughs> uh, there just aren't that many Alliance allies. Now, we did recently, last week, put up an article on our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And it was just throwing out some ideas about alliance allies, but in general, my counter argument is well, you know what? Broderick is pretty much better than just about anything on that side, the alliance side, that is, because he'll eat pretty all of the things you said. I mean, Antichrome withstanding you soaking the damage. But then your hero's taking four if I run in Broderick and then face check it with my hero. This is true. Or Corin, who's a 1-4, so unless you have a follow-up, he's now a 1-1, one, one, assuming I face check him. So who cares? It, these are all, it, again, it's all assuming that I played turn one Broderick and you were going second. All of the math changes if the Alliance deck is going first. Yeah. But none of those really sound all that compelling. At the moment. Now, you could say Lady Bancroft. Um, yeah, that she was going to be... I think she was one of those ones I thought was so obvious that I didn't actually mention her. But I love Lady B. You can prevent all damage that opposing heroes would do to this ally. So, once Broderick is in the graveyard, that one cost doesn't matter so much. It won't help rid the board with her. Um, well, except Broderick probably was the reason that... <laughs> running into Lady Bancroft is probably the reason Broderick was in the graveyard. I mean, yeah. But I think there are possibilities to work around Broderick. Well, I'm going to call that one also in my favor, wife. So I <laughs> answers versus threats, I think, goes in Broderick's favor. Or against him, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. I think he's the best one drop, so 
the fact that there are other playable ones I don't think is necessarily... It, it's not a great argument to not ban him. So on that note, do you want to switch it back to me as to why we think he should be banned? I suppose. So one of the major things is that one damage seems innocuous, but it is hugely game-changing. So starting on turn one, you are generating card advantage, theoretically. At worst, you're just generating pressure on your opponent. So how does he generate card advantage? Well, it's relatively obvious. Any X1 ally, whether they start with one health, they get damage down to one health, it doesn't matter. Every time you face punch, or headbutt, I guess would be more accurate, every time you headbutt an opposing ally, you are plus one card. So yeah. every all those times where a two-for-one, you know, you play one card and kill two of your opponent's things, seems like a blowout. Broderick does that three to five times a game. Assuming he's not answered. That is humongous. And that's not accounting for the fact that if you're going first, you can continually keep trading down. And by that I mean you take your guy, you run it into your opponent's lower guy, and then finish it off with your hero. Or even trade up if you want and take a little bit of damage by taking your lower drop guy, run it, me running my low guy into your big guy, and if it's one damage short, guess what? I'm there. Yeah. On top of the fact that it now necessitates, going back to your first point, that you have to have a way to work around Broderick, either to answer him directly, so some kind of graveyard effect, or some way to ignore him, you know, just prevent yourself from being attacked to heal off that perpetual damage. Heal up your guys, because if you let your guys go down to one health, and they sit around too long, they're going to get eaten. Broderick is a game-changing card, and I don't think there's any other way to look at it other than he d he does change the game. You have to address it. All right, so husband's taking these points. However, if anybody wants to back me up on my side of the argument, I am fully welcome to hearing that. So email us at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com and help me tear him down. Well, here's the thing, wife. So personally, I don't think Broderick needs to go. Do you want to know why? Because it's better to not ban cards? No, it, banning cards is neither good nor bad. It's just a thing that may be necessary. Yes. Now, while Broderick is warping, because as we just discussed, he forces you to have to think about him. As soon as you build a deck, you need to decide, am I running Broderick? Well, why not? You probably should be. Why are you not playing Broderick? Okay, you're not playing Broderick because your alliance are monster, or for some bizarre reason in Horde, and you're not. Okay, well, what are you going to do about him? Because he changes what one drops you can run. You can change what two drops you're going to run because a lot of them have one health or they may go down to one health. The difference is, is that every good card warps the format. That's why they're good cards. Yeah. So at a certain point... You have to see how badly it's warping and exactly. how overwhelming so, I think it is. Well, that's exactly it. So Broderick, as we said, changes everything by his mere existence. But 
what is he changing? Okay, so you have problems running one health allies. Well, if my opponent is perpetually face-checking my one health allies, well, that means that they're not hitting me, which buys me more time, or it means that maybe they aren't addressing a bigger ally because they're waiting to try and whittle it down, or if they do face-check, say, a five-attack ally, that, that hurts. It hurts a lot. I've done it. It was it was a mistake, and I've so, done it. I mean, sometimes it's the right play, yeah. but... It also, Broderick is not the only, how do you phrase this? He, because he's not the only graveyard-centric card, wife mentioned Anubarak at the top, you want those kind of answers anyway. Vorix demands graveyard answers. Slow Mage demands graveyard answers for Flickers from the past. A number of other decks interact with their graveyard. Even Tyrus runs Dread Steeds of Zoroth. Yeah. So you're not... There are a lot of things that are going to get hit with collateral damage by virtue of you running Everfrost, by virtue of you running Cannibalize, by virtue of you running, you know, pick a random Gardos Gravefang, because that's an Alliance Mm 1-drop. There you go. Uh, There are a number of things, so it's not like you're wasting deck slots. They're totally useless. The answers are so narrow that they're only going to answer Broderick. Yeah, his answers can answer a lot of things, which is the point that I was trying to make in the first one, but anyway. (laughs) You may have skipped over that part when you were saying it. I might have. Uh, The other thing is to look at, so okay, let's say full stop, and this may not actually be accurate, but I'm pretty sure it is. Let's say full stop, Broderick is king of the one drops. He is on top of the hill, the king in the mountain, pick a phrase, other cliches, things like that. So... (laughs) He is the best one-drop, period. Okay, well, what does that mean? The game doesn't end on turn one, unless we're all missing something and there's some crazy combo out there. So are the other drops for other factions, Monster and Alliance, are they good enough, or even neutral allies, I guess, to justify not playing Horde? So, for example, Tyrus, obviously not a Horde deck. It does okay on its own. Yeah. Werewolves, not a Horde deck can do okay on their own. And can do pretty well with Broderick. How? Can you enlighten me? I'm not really sure where you're going with that. I I was more thinking of Lady B in that deck and how, um, yeah. Okay. So aside from those, Google Shaman, which is a deck that we didn't cover when we were doing pre-Gen Con prep, but it's also a very strong deck that runs Mikhail the Blunt, which if you flip the argument a little bit, Horde doesn't really have a Mikhail the Blunt equivalent? No, and he's pretty he's pretty good too. I mean, you could say Panax the Unstable, who's a five drop. There's a but couple there's, things there's that are five or six drop. There's a big difference between a five drop and a two drop. Yeah, and it's not there's even... There's a colossal difference well, between a five drop and a two drop. And it's not even that Mikhail comes down on two, because you're usually not playing him on turn two. You're going to get what? Like, their one drop? Who cares? Yeah. The key is that you can say, on turn three, play Squall Totem into Mikhail, or just fit him in on a random turn where you said, oh, I have three resources open, one of which is Eye of the Storm with four counters. I guess I'll tap down your team and then wipe it out. Yeah. Those are pretty big as far as, you know, influencing the game. So, yes, Broderick may be the king of One Drop Mountain, but that doesn't necessarily mean 
that the game is over on one. Yeah. Now, whether for the community as a whole, we decide that if every deck that has a red flag in the corner has to also start with four undead mages that are one drop two to two ones, yeah. then, and that's a problem, that's one thing. I happen to think I don't care. Because, yes, as we said, he warps the game, but I don't think he's making it on fun. I don't think he's yeah. doing anything that negative. And I obviously am very biased in thinking that he's totally fine. He's good. Keep him forever. There's also the consideration of the ramifications of banning him. So Broderick, you would think, is a great aggressive card. Wife plays him in aggressive builds. He can run in for two, and if they decide to answer him, great. You're going to keep poking him for one with your hero or clearing their stuff out. But as we detailed at length, clearing their stuff out is super useful which means that control decks can utilize him just as well as aggressive decks. Yes, it, they can help clear the board, and also um, control decks who are playing against him. I I think it's really easy for uh, your hero to be in trouble if you've spent a lot of time only doing one damage. It de- Yeah, it really depends on where that damage is going and when and what the matchup is. So Broderick does tend to be a skill-testing card where, great, if your deck is super linear, so you are a hyper-aggressive deck, you're just going face all the time, okay, yeah, Broderick is just adding up damage. But say you play a mid-range build or a control build, that face-checking adds up, and suddenly your opponent's clock becomes a lot shorter mm-hmm. just because you are running in for free. So let's say they have a guy out with four health. Just a you know arbitrary guy with four health. They eat one of your guys, and then you face check it with Broderick. So now they've not only eliminated your guy, they've, they've dealt damage done to you. Four damage. Yeah. So yes, you are you did a one for one and traded whatever your guy was for their big guy, which may be fine if you can live long enough to get the advantage out of it. So, for example, in the Emic list that I played, you only have 26 health. And yes, I can fill the yard by punching your stuff and then recurring an Uberak, but at the same time, I only have 26 health. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, it's a fine line. It catches up with you. And the lethality of Classic is super high. Spider Solitaire can, out of nowhere, bang, just end the game. Yeah, there are a lot of. One, two, three, you're dead. Yeah. Moments in the classic format. You can very easily step a toe out of line, and then all of a sudden the toe is all that's left. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the rest of you is disintegrated really quick. Yeah. So you have to be careful. Now, these are all things that everybody who's listening is probably aware of, but it's, like wife said, feel free to shoot us an email, bring it up in the group. I think it's a healthy discussion to have, and will certainly inform how the format shapes up, not just classic, classic, but potentially neoclassic with the new cards that are coming in that we're talking mm-hmm. about making. Or core or whatever's happening. Exactly, because the it's tough to, for example, evaluate the monk cards until we know what the format's going to look like. And it's also tough to test for what things are going to be other than what we saw last year or a month ago. Mm-hmm. Because, well, if Broderick gets banned, as we said, it's going to create a vacuum. Now, whether whatever comes out of that vacuum or into that whatever uh, 
is better or worse from a healthy, fun format perspective, we don't know. We don't know. know without being able to test that. Yeah, it's it's very easy to go, this thing is bad, or I think this thing is bad, it feels bad, it does this thing, let's get rid of it. But, but oh wait, now that that's gone, here comes another one right up in its path. It's one of those, is the cure worse than the ailment? Yeah. So it, that's why we wanted to go through the, the mock debate, because wife and I are kind of on the same side. Yeah, so, so I made him choose the harder side, which apparently ended up being the easier side, but whatever. <laughs> Though there really are, although we were, I was poking fun at wife's argument, as far as the allies on turn one, there are different kinds of allies for the alliance side and the monster side, obviously. And you have to adapt and your deck and your list to that. So Alliance from the start of the game has always had more elusive allies. That's how the designers tried to break the curve-based economy, I guess, where it's basically on turn one, I play a one, you play a one, then I play a two, then you play a two, I play a three. And then it's the person who went first has the advantage of initiating everything. Mm -hmm. So Elusive let Alliance break serve and Ferocity let Horde break serve. So it's you can't eat my guy because he's elusive or I'm going to run into your guy right away instead of waiting a turn because I have ferocity. So maybe that's the way alliance builds needs to go. Or, I mean, there are other successful builds. I, I really think, and I agree with wife, that maybe people just didn't feel like playing alliance. Yeah, and that's a conversation for another day. Um, I could go on for hours, and I have, about the Horde's awesomeness. I mean, you have a lot of tools on the play. Like Ashnar the Frost Herald is nuts. Lady He's Bancroft is ridiculous. nuts. Mikhail is nuts. Weldon, who is somebody that I was losing respect for in our testing, turned out to be super strong. Yeah. So there are ways for Alliance to come back, and that's actually something I'm concerned about, that is or are Horde decks leaning heavily on Broderick to their detriment so that if he were to get Gone. pulled out, it's like... The whole house of cards comes down. I don't think it's that bad, but yeah, it's something to consider. It is something to consider. But that is something to consider as we go forth and continue this debate and many others. <laughs> and hopefully you will all help us debate it. Yeah, definitely jump into the group. Definitely keep talking either on the subreddit. Uh, it's WowTCG over as the subreddit. Feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, we are going to be working on some video content soon. Yes. As soon as we can figure out how exactly to get this webcam to let us actually show anybody anything. Yes, and how to prevent glare and edit video software. Well, that part I know how to do. The I problem did is this. Classes on that. Yeah, this particular webcam just doesn't want to pick up the text of cards. So let's put that out there too. We're probably we have some ideas on how we're going to alleviate this issue, but. Let us know if you would be able to pick, recognize basically any card in the game by, <laughs> by the artwork. Just by the artwork. Now, I would say there's a fair few, and especially if we build this Rexar deck that we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, those, those beasts are pretty easy to figure out. Um, are they? I mean, I don't I know how many people are... Loke? How many people are going to recognize Spawn of Rokad at first glance? I mean... I mean, maybe if you draft it a lot? Yeah... I mean, I want to play Darkwater Crocodile, but... 
it's yeah. probably not going to make the cut. But anyway, yeah. point is, is we do want to try and do some both one-on-one stuff and some raid content if mm-hmm. we can ever kind of organize it. So we'll keep you updated in future podcasts how that's going. Yep. So for now, I'm wife. And I'm husband. Keep tuning in. Hi, everyone. If you like the show and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.